Are there quarterbacks in this draft class that are going to transfer rather than enter the draft? And how does it affect that class? We're going to look at a couple of those instances right now. And the underclassmen, they're coming out early. They're coming out with a vengeance. Who makes it to day one? Who makes it to day two? In this group of underclassmen, that's all coming up today on Locked On NFL Draft. You are Locked On NFL Draft, your daily podcast covering the NFL Draft. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode of Locked On NFL Draft. I'm your host, former NFL and NFL defensive back, Eric Crocker. And of course, I'm joined by my guy, Ryan. We want to thank you for making us your first listen of the day. Ryan, man, we're getting into it. We've got some quarterbacks that are saying like, man, I'm out of here. I'm transferring to another school. And I'm curious to see if it's going to help these guys. But the first guy, man, we've got Keaton Slovis transferring from USC. And obviously we know everything surrounding USC and, you know, Lincoln Riley going over there. He's had some quarterbacks already commit for the next year's class. You had Jackson Dart, who's already there at USC. And maybe, you know, Keaton Slovis is like, you know what? I don't even want to compete with anything like that. I'm just going to hit the transfer portal and see what ha- see what happens. So what are you your thoughts? Because this is a guy who is draft eligible, mm-hmm. uh, along with guys like, you know, Spencer Rattler, who is going to have to stay another year. People are kind of looking at who potentially could, you know, be somewhat of an impact in this draft class. But it looks like now that is not going to happen for him. Well, it's funny because you go back four months, and we were talking about is Rattler the number one quarterback in this class? Is Slovis right behind him? I mean, this is – this is a surprise to a lot of people, including me. I thought that at that point, with the frustration, with everything that's going on at SC, that is it really worth going to learn a new offense? Or if you put enough on film in your career, if you're, if you're a kid on Slovis, to take your chances at not being a high draft pick, clearly you've fallen in this draft class. But is there really enough oomph? And we called it a couple of weeks ago that we thought he would transfer and try to bolster his stock one more time and take a look at the next class and see if he can do that. It makes things hard on the front offices to get a feel for, is now the version of this player going to be, because of the new offense, the new school, is he still got that core of what he was? But this definitely affects how many quarterbacks are going to be drafted in this class, because I think he still would be have, have been drafted had he chosen to come into this draft. You know, I'm curious to see what was told to him, right? And sometimes when you have a new staff come in, and I dealt with that my senior year of college, the, the school, you know, I went to junior college, but my junior and senior year, I was at the university. My junior year I had one staff, you know, that was the staff that brought me in. They got fired. So heading into my senior year, whole new staff. Sometimes you don't know what's told to guys. For me, it was a fresh start. New guys coming in. I, you know, I was named one of the team captains. That doesn't seem to be the case for uh, Keenan Slovis. So I wonder if maybe they told him, like, hey, we don't really have any plans on playing you, and we're going with Dart. Or do you think he's a guy, and, and this will kind of, I guess, impact his draft uh, status for the following years, but do you think he just shied away from competition altogether? That's that's the scary part because Lincoln Riley's not going to mess around, right? He has these quarterbacks stacked, and that's really what it is these days, stacking class after class. And now it gets to the point where you have to like manage personalities so that you you keep guys not wanting to be the starter, or I mean, or obviously you want them to be, but being okay with being the backup for a little bit. And when you have a guy that's that's obviously in his last year of eligibility, he's got one more left. Is there enough there to work on? Maybe that is just 
what happened? Hey, you're not really in our future plans. We've got Jackson as our starter. We have younger guys that will come right in behind him. We're not going to set him aside for you. So this is your best opportunity. It, it caught me a little off guard, like I said, but it's not the only one. Looks like Bo Nix is going to transfer Bo as well Nicks. as a graduate. Another guy that had the opportunity had he wanted to come out. I think this makes a little bit more sense, but where were you on him? So Bo Nix was someone who I thought had, you know, tremendous arm talent, uh, ability. His athleticism was off the charts. Uh, watching him at Auburn a lot of times, they, they play like this. I don't know. It was kind of like this hybrid office. It was almost like what we see from Lamar Jackson and those guys, where it's kind of this kind of pistol. It's like a run heavy offense, but they do it out of kind of the spread offense. I mean, he was a guy who was on the opposite side of the field of Justin Herbert. When Auburn played Justin Herbert, Auburn won, Auburn won that game. And now we look at what Justin Herbert's doing in the NFL and we're like, man, like, you know, just how the tables have turned for both of those quarterbacks where everything was trending up for Knicks. And this year he went through a lot of ups and downs. People talking about benching him. You know, you have the guy in there, Finley, I believe it is from LSU, guy, you know, the young youngster who transferred in. And people are like, man, is he going to be able to take Bo Nick's job? And I think Bo Nick did, did just enough to hold him off long enough until I think, I believe he got hurt again later down the year. So there's a couple of things there. One, he has to stay healthy. But my thing is this with some of these guys who are like, you know what, I'm just going to transfer and hit the transfer portal. Bo Nix, you've been the guy at Auburn University. Like, you've been the starter. You've had every opportunity, every opportunity to really showcase your ability, who you are, what you are, and what you'll be as a draft prospect. And if you weren't able to do that out of Auburn, are you going to be able to do that somewhere else? That's the thing that's going to be really, you know, just interesting for me to see with Bo Nix. I mean, it's two sides, right? If you're the player, you want to get somewhere where you feel that you still have something else that you can take your, your evaluation up. And if you're the, the teams, you want to see, can you persevere that kind of change and can you produce? And I don't know what the margins are at that point. It becomes very difficult to say, what's the offense? What's the change? What's the player itself? I, I'm going to be really intrigued to see it. And it's going to continue. I think all this, this coaching upheaval is going to continue to provide opportunities for quarterbacks to think, I got a better chance to go play and play in an offense that maybe suits me better somewhere else. And that may continue to mess with the draft classes as we go forward like it is with this one. One thing I want to ask you, too, about just kind of the, just the portal in general. What have kind of been your thoughts on this? Do you think this is something? Because this has been a big topic uh, just or just around, like, the college football landscape on some coaches believing that it hurts. Some coaches saying they're not going to utilize it. Other coaches mm -hmm. really taking advantage of it. You know, and obviously kids now, they're able to transfer in and play right away where that wasn't the case before. If you were transferring from one university to another, especially if they're both, you know, Division One you could not play right away. You had to sit out a year and it would cost you a year of eligibility, you know, or of wow. course you use a red shirt where now it's not the case. I could yeah. be at university of Miami transfer right over to university of Alabama and have a big time game. And we saw that right with Williams, uh, Jameson right. Williams, a guy coming from Ohio state. And we see that, you know, the talent that they have at the receiver position for whatever reason didn't work there, but he said, you know, I'm going to transfer to the best university in college football. He goes to Alabama has a showcase here, balls out, does things. Probably going to be a first-round pick. But the trash portal has been this thing that's kind of been congested. Now there's a lot of kids just kind of sitting in it, especially guys that were starting at other schools and are like, you know what, I was starting here, but I, I'm going to hit the trash portal. I'm just going to leave and go somewhere else. I've seen it work for some guys, and there are a couple quarters, corners we'll get into that were at Tulsa, ended up transferring mm -hmm. over to Missouri. But when you see some of these quarterbacks, and it's like, but everything has been kind of, 
structured around you and you still weren't the guy. What's kind of your thoughts on just the transfer portal in general and what it does, even from a competition standpoint, because I think that's part of it too. Some guys aren't willing to sit now where, Hey, I right. came in to college football. I was a four star or five star, whatever. I thought I was going to be the man. Oh, you're going to make me sit. I'm unhappy. I'm transferring now. I'm hitting the transfer portal. And that's what I expect to happen with some of these guys that are stacking up at USC, right? Like it's about managing their expectations at that point. I think it's there's two things. One, if you're a college coach, you have to utilize this. Otherwise, you're putting yourself at a competitive disadvantage. There's no question there. But I, I do feel that this evens the playing field uh, in, in terms of like the morality of the situation that you find yourself in for the players. Because like just today, uh, Kansas is getting a linebacker from Ohio State. Craig Young, welcome to Kansas. Uh, rock chalk. I just want to put that out there. But this <laughs> is something that allows the player to not be that perfect situation is someplace he can go play right now. Someplace he has been not been able to get on the field at Ohio State. But for those players that had a coach recruit them and now he's jumped ship to another university, now they can go with him. And now they're not in a situation that they didn't sign up for. And I think that part of evening that portion of it is really important. I'm a big proponent of that in terms of the turmoil that it produces. That's a byproduct that we can't really get away from, but it's going to be what it is. And I think we need to get into what it means going forward for these underclassmen because I think that comes into the decision-making for them as well. Who's going to be in the first and second days? We're going to get to that next. Before we get into that, I want to talk about Boost Mobile and the power that Boost Mobile now has. You listen to podcasts and you want the power of knowledge. You switch to Boost Mobile for the power of saving money. You get three unlimited data lines for $30 a month per line and free 5G phone when you switch. So you can get the latest episodes of everything that you listen to, including the Locked On NFL Draft Show. All of this on America's largest 5G networks. More power to save. That's Boost Mobile. All right. Now, disclaimer, you get a free limited to uh, new customers. One new phone per line. Additional restrictions apply. Offers coverage available anywhere, you know, for all the phones, networks, and see Boost Mobile for more details. But before you do that, make sure, you know, when you go into Boost Mobile and you go in and see what they got, man, you switch and you want to find out more about it. They got the, you know, the free Samsung Galaxy A32 5G phone. Uh, when you switch to the Americas, again, the largest 5G network, lots of power will Boost Mobile. My wife has Boost Mobile. I actually have AT&T, but Boost Mobile, something that, you know, her phone works perfectly fine, especially down here in the South where we sometimes kind of struggle to get good reception. Doesn't happen with her. Always has good reception. All right. And one thing that she might use the extra money that she's saving using Boost Mobile on is on location. And what might she use for on location, man? We got Super Bowl 56 at SoFi Stadium. And it's less than 100 days away. This season is flying on. And really, as we speak right now, there's a game going on over at SoFi Stadium, or it might be in Arizona, but it's the Rams playing. All right, and that's their home stadium. The SoFi Stadium and on location will be the official hospitality partner of the NFL. It's the only place to score a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to get Super Bowl tickets and an experience package. Select your exact seats that you want and choose from an elite experience of featuring an exclusive pregame celebration with NFL legends, five-star Los Angeles hotels, and food by the great Wolfgang Puck. All right, visit onlocationexp.com slash SB56 for more information or search Super Bowl on location. That's onlocationexp.com slash 
SB56. Or again, search Super Bowl on location. All right, Ryan. Let's get into it, man. What are we doing? Yeah, yeah, we're talking about four guys. The juniors make the difference, I think, because over the years you've seen that kind of elevate. And this year's group is really intriguing to me. I got a lot of a lot of flack, a lot of comments yesterday. If you missed yesterday's show, it was our first major mock draft. Go back and check that out. And I did something because at the end of the day, in the NFL, it's about quarterback play. You can have the best roster in the world. If you don't have a franchise quarterback, you're not going to get anywhere. It's just too consistently that way. And so, you know, in what is a weak quarterback class overall, something that that especially the loss of Slovis and Knicks just adds to now, I think this made perfect sense. And I took and and gave uh, Matt Corral to the Atlanta Falcons. And I know that's high, and a lot of people were a little freaked out by that, right? Hey, we don't know what's going on with Matt Ryan. That's a whole different conversation. You guys can listen to that. It was yesterday's show. But for me, as much as I want to say, hey, his grade doesn't is isn't going to line up to that. And I haven't done all of this film, but I've seen enough live to know that I, he's not going to be a, a top 10 grade for me, given last year's class or the class before even, right? But we all know these quarterbacks get placed higher than they deserve to be every single year. Everybody gets pushed up. Ask the Jets how they're feeling right now, or if maybe they overreached a little bit. This is what's going to come down to it this this year. And I think Matt Corral is the highlight of this junior group that has already elected and, and become uh, an early entrant, they call them. Uh, does it shock you that it would be the quarterback that's the biggest prospect in this early group? And do you think that it's justified? Do you think that, I, that I'm totally wrong that he couldn't go that high anyway? No, I, I think he can. I think, like you said, guys get pushed up all the time. I mean, we talked about it early on with Rob Rang, and Rob Rang was talking about how, you know, hey, maybe he only has two quarterbacks in his top 32. So that wasn't his rankings, or that wasn't his uh, mock draft, but he's just saying in his top 32 prospects, he only had two quarterbacks. Now, again, just because you have two quarterbacks in your top 32 prospects does not mean that quarterbacks won't get pushed up the board, and we see it every year. Sometimes when guys were inexperienced, see last year, the San Francisco 49ers took Trey Lance, you know, and they took him in the top five, number three overall, you know, five quarterbacks in all went in the top 15, you know, it's just going to, it's just going to happen like that. So even with where you had, you know, Matt Corral going and you look at his ability and you see where you matched him up with, especially in the Atlanta Falcons football team, that's probably going to be leaning towards a quarterback pretty soon, especially if they, they don't go off its line. I think they do go quarterback, and they need to get younger at that position. I thought last year was an opportunity to do it. They didn't do it. And you look at this year, and you're playing with Matt Ryan, and I think he's helping, right? He's helping just the wheels not completely fall off the situation in Atlanta right now. I believe they are six and seven, so they're kind of they're still in that uh, wild card hunt. But that's not what their expectations are. So at some point, you have to kind of start over fresh. You got a new coaching staff in there. And I think bringing in another a young quarterback like a Matt Corral would definitely be beneficial and even more beneficial if he's able to sit behind a quarterback like Matt Ryan for a year. So that would make even more sense to be able to draft a guy like Matt Corral with his ability, his legs, he fits the modern day mold, but also be able to get that mental uh, aspect of the game from a guy like Matt Ryan if they decide to keep him. Yeah, it, it, it just makes too much sense. And he's not going to be the only guy that's up at the top in the top 10 
Another player that is an early declaration, we told you guys about this last week, uh, Kyle Hamilton from Notre Dame is going to be out there too. He's now joined by Kyron Williams. Uh, and I think that's a smarter, maybe not smarter, I think it's a good decision for Hamilton as well. But for Kyron Williams, a guy that gets beat up every time he touches the ball, I think that's an even better move. And I think it's not a coincidence that two players, in fact, we're going to have a couple of, of this situation where there's multiple players from a team that has lost their coach. And at that point, unlike the Slovis decision from that we talked about earlier, it is let's go to the next level. We've proven what we can prove in here. Is there anything from Kyron Williams' game that you'd still like to see, or do you like this move for him going to the draft? No, I think he's a guy. And sometimes with these running backs, they kind of are who they are, right? And sometimes it's just you know seeing them on the big stage and kind of seeing you know the ability that they have. And once you see that, it, it is what it is. With him, I love the way he runs. And not just runs. I believe I've seen him uh, back there doing special teams, pump returns, things like that. Fluid mover. He runs with power. He runs strong. He just, when I see him, it just reminds me of like Notre Dame back. In, in that number he's wearing, it kind of looks like Golden Tate out there. <laughs> but, you know, terrific, terrific running back. You know, and with running backs, a lot of times they use that term, contact balance. He has plenty of that. He's actually a running back that, I'm like, why am I not hearing more about him? Because every time I've watched him, he seems to be really carrying that offense at Notre Dame. You know, they lost Ian Book just a year ago. And now, you know, who who is the quarterback that's really taking over for Notre Dame right now? I think he, the running back, Kyron Williams, he's been a big pivotal part of the success that Notre Dame has had. So I really like what I'm seeing. I'm not sure he could do any more or any better for himself by staying at Notre Dame for another season. I think it was smart to join uh, his fellow Kyle Hamilton in this class. Smart move. Yeah, I'm with you. And it's funny, when we look at the first round, obviously Hamilton's there. Uh, I, I expect him to be a top 10 pick, but Kayvon Thibodeau as well, junior. Um, Drake London, I think, is going to be a first round pick at the end of the day. Won't be top 10, but another junior. Uh, DeMarvin Leal going to be there. Carl Loftus is another guy. Um, there's a pair from Purdue, uh, much like we just talked about. Carl Loftus and David Bell. Carl Loftus is one that I think maybe jump the gun just a little bit. I see a lot of people talking him up into the top 10, top 15. I don't, I don't see that in his game. I don't see him taking over contests enough. I don't know that he would have gained a whole lot more, but did that um, early declaration surprise you at all? Uh, just a little bit. I'm trying to see where he went in the mock draft. So they, so using the, the mock draft, uh, draft machine, draft machine simulator, on the draftnetwork.com, they actually have him going number four overall to the New York Jets. So you talked about him kind of getting uh, pushed up a little bit. That mm -hmm. might be pushed up to the maximum. Now, we'll see if he is a guy that ends up, you know, people falling in love with. He has a size, 6'4", 275 pounds. You know, you look at him, he definitely is kind of a pure edge rusher, you know, long frame. You know, he's a guy that has good knockback, pushing guys back, you know, just Number four overall seems it seems a little rich. It seems a little rich, but uh, we'll see. Four edge rushers going in the top five. Do you, do you think that can happen? I I don't see that happening. No, but that's where the the artificialness of the quarterback class is going to come in. And just how much do they see an opportunity to get somebody that can be a signal caller, even if it is a little bit more experimental than an average year. There's a lot of other guys that are coming in pairs from other schools, and there's a, a significant volume of day two. Guys, top 100s that are going to be in this group, too. We're going to talk about them coming up next. First, we want to talk to you guys about Stance. 
All right. We all love great, well-made apparel. We want things that are unique and unique to us. Right. And stance is just that. I mean, they have everything you want, especially when it comes to, you know, just the comfortability from head to toe, whether it's sweaters, whether it's joggers, whether it's your socks, whether it's shirts, hoodies, all of that. Stance has all of it. And they have it's the best part about it is it's super comfortable. And with the stance that I've had, you know, some of these things you're kind of afraid are they gonna shrink when you wash them. I haven't had the issues at all with stance. I love all the different colors and the way that you can kind of customize things. They've done a really good job with that. They have all kinds of different, you know, designs that you can have from, you know, Wu-Tang, the Batman, the Goonies, Star Wars. I mean, they have stuff from The Office, Harry Potter, Harry Potter, Disney, you know, Marvel movies, Bob Marley, whatever it is, whatever it is that you want, they have it. It's soft. It's comfortable. It feels great. It feels amazing. My kids love it. I love it. You know, and you got to figure out if you're going to love it. So how are you going to do that? You guys, I'm telling you, man, Stance, it believes that the perfect fit matters more than fitting in. I take that approach with everything I do in life. Uh, those that feel good, they do good. So go see for yourself. Register for an account at Stance.com and get 15% off your first purchase. All right, use promo code Locked On at the checkout to apply. Enjoy the color and the comfort of a very cool lifestyle that's less ordinary with stance right day two guys just to stay in the same school with Karloftis before david bell he looks like a guy that is a a second round selection to me maybe right around the i don't know 50 to 45 kind of range uh does that click for you and is it a surprise to you that he elected to come out no nah, not a surprise at all when you see some again to me i'm i'm really big on ability and he put it on display you know, David Bell had a mm-hmm. good year. Now, the thing sometimes with, with going to schools like he did, it's hard to prove that you can get better, especially if the quarterback situation isn't great, all right? And at Purdue, I don't think it's going to get any better for him. Now, maybe if right. they get a guy in there like, you know, Keaton Slovis or something like that, that could help. But for him having, you know, twelve almost 1,300 yards last year, averaging almost 14 yards per catch, the thing that's going to help him the most is just running well. He has shown all the ability. He has the size. He has the ability. He has the speed to stretch the field. He works all areas of the field extremely well. And I think he fits the, the mold of what teams want with their receivers nowadays. But when it comes to him being like potentially a top 50 pick, it's all going to be come down to how well he runs. So if he thinks that he's going to run well and be a blazer, all that's going to do is boost up his stock, and he'll definitely end up being, you know, a top 50 pick in this draft class. You know, at the same uh, position at wide receiver is Trey Turner from Virginia Tech, one of four juniors that have already elected to come out at Virginia Tech. I haven't seen him play live yet. What's your impression of, of this underclassman wide receiver class as a whole? We have Justin Ross in there, too. I think if he passes his medicals, he should be a good value on day two as well. Like, this feels like it's building up to be – Maybe not the last two wide receiver classes, but a really deep one that can fill in some roster spots on day two. Now, he was a little bit more surprising yep. because th- this is a guy, obviously, you know, a junior. He didn't have to come out just yet, but he hasn't had some of the success as some of the other guys like a David Bell and done it on, you know, full display for multiple years. Now, you know, this year he is averaging 17 yards a catch. So we are talking about somebody who is a big play receiver and he's been that 
I think his biggest reason for coming out probably was like, hey, I've been here four years already. All right. I, I don't want to have to stay another year, even though I have another year of eligibility. But mm -hmm. nothing that he's done has really jumped off the page. Now, that doesn't mean that he can't be a really good receiver. They just had a, a, a receiver in the NFL playing for the Miami Dolphins. Can't think of his name right now, but he came from Virginia Tech. And he's done well. Gosh, I can't think of his name. Just scored a touchdown a couple, couple weeks ago. But, you know, just because you're not going to be potentially a top uh, 50 pick or even a day two pick, maybe he's a day three pick and, you know, goes in like the fifth round. He has like this taller, leaner uh, build, almost like a Robbie Anderson. And maybe that's how he's going to be kind of viewed heading into the NFL. He's a little linear built that way. But his vertical ability, the big play, it's there. But I don't think we saw any consistency with it at Virginia Tech at like a high level to where guys were like, hey, we got to have this type of guy in, you know, in the day one or day two. Not sure if we'll see him go that high. Yeah. Boomer bust. That certainly is part of the equation. It always is, especially on day three. At the end of the day, I, I'm I'm really keen to see what ends up getting taken. How many wide receivers? Because this group as a class is starting to get really intriguing to me. I see a lot of value on day two. And that's that's honestly where I'm going to start focusing because I don't think it's it's possible to live up to the last two draft classes. What do you think? I didn't think so at first, especially when you, when you look at what 2019 was. And you're like, man, good class. Mm -hmm. And then uh, you know, you see 2020, obviously 2021 with, you know, Jamar Chase and all these guys are like, wow, you know, some really good receivers here. I think this is going to be the case every year where guys are coming in in this year's class. It might not be as top heavy in the sense mm -hmm. of, you know, a Jamar Chase, Jalen Waddle, Devontae Smith, all going in the top 10. You might not see that. There were other receivers that went first round, you know, the Jalen Waddles, the, you know, Kadarius Tony, but I do believe from like picks 15 to picks 50, I think this class is stronger than last year's class. And there was some guys I really liked last year. Diami Brown, guy that ended up going mm -hmm. third round to the Washington football team. I think there are some guys in this class. Again, I, I had Diami Brown as kind of a borderline top five receiver in that range. This year, I, I don't even know if he would have been that high because it's it's so stacked. Again, the, the biggest difference in this class is just not that. There's not that. Those the heavy hitters. They're the really good guys, right? The Garrett Wilsons, the Chris Olaves, even though the mock draft similar has Olave going number five overall. Not sure if he'll go that high, but the the, the Williams, the, the Londons, the Traylon Burks. I mean, there's going to be some it, from picks 15 to 50 loaded with receivers. And if you're a team that is in need of a receiver, you'll have your pick of every type of guy, whatever you want a guy to have, and you want him to win that way. He should, you should have an opportunity at one of those type of guys in this class in, in the first two days. Yeah, I think there's going to be a lot of opportunity, folks. Let us know who, who you like. Who do you like on day two in this upcoming draft? Leave us your comments over on the YouTube channel. Like, sub, and hit the bell notification over there as well. And in the iTunes reviews as well, we like to hear your feedback. We know that this is a shift. This is what we do and how the process goes for us as we take over the show and we get ready for this draft season. So we're going to keep turning up. We're going to get deeper into detail as we go along. We thank you for your patience and coming along for the ride with us. All right. Yeah, definitely. Just like you said. And yeah, keep the, keep the uh, reviews coming. And some of them are like, you know, some things that you guys don't like, but that helps us because it helps us know things that we need to improve on so we can make this listen more enjoyable for you. 
So uh, that's going to do it for this episode from Eric Crocker at Eric underscore Crocker on Twitter. Ryan Tracy at Ryan Tracy NFL on Twitter. Follow us on those. DM us. Tweet us. All that good stuff. We appreciate all the feedback and interaction. But we'll see you all tomorrow. Peace.